Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Well, good afternoon and good evening to everybody around the country, around the world, around Southern California, and, and to the oceans and the mountains and the desert. We're all here. So, welcome to the Water Zone. I'm Rob Stahl, your host, Mr. Chris Davy. Chris Davy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. That was a pretty, that was a fairly well geographical description of uh, of our show con- of our show broadcast area. Very good. Well done. I try. <laughs> I'll keep my day job, though. Probably for so far. So how's it going out in Southern California? A beautiful day today. Uh, it was lovely and warm in the uh, low to mid-80s. Same tomorrow, and then it's going to get cold. And we should get just the tail end of that uh, atmospheric river that continues to plow into the uh, northwestern part of our uh, nation here on the on the coast. But not too much, just a little bit. Uh, any uh, any good conventions or shows that has uh, been up in the last couple of weeks? I know we got an IASHA show coming up, which I'll talk about in a sec. Yeah, we will. So we had the landscape attendance, um, but it was uh, I hear it was quite well attended. It's a local or regional show, but it did well. Oh, uh, that's true. Well, you know it's that time again, and the irrigation show and education week is back, and better than ever, they tell me. Uh, get ready to reconnect with your peers, get best-in-class educational content, and find innovative solutions to your business. Uh, it runs December 6th through the 10th, and it's this year it's in San Diego. It should be really nice. And to register and learn uh, more about it, visit irrigationshow.org today or tomorrow, tonight, or whenever you want. But save your spot before November 1st. Well, it's too late now, but you can still actually get in. They just sent me this, but, but you can actually... Uh, Go to, go to it and register and uh, come on in and uh, enjoy. You're going to see some new technology that you've never seen before in irrigation. And they also get lighting and both uh, residential, commercial irrigation, as well as agricultural. So that should be pretty exciting. And we're going to be broadcasting live. We are. All, You're right, Rob. All, all three days through it. And we're doing that through our. Uh, Associate uh, Radio, which is uh, Turf Up Radio out of, out of Florida. So we're going to be very excited about that. We're going to be roaming the floor. Um, I don't know how much time you're going to have to roam the floor because you're going to be manning a booth, I think. Is that correct? That is that is correct, but I will roam as much as I can. Okay. And the products that you're going to be talking about is? All right. So we've got a ton, we got a ton of new stuff that uh, – we're going to be showing on our side. There's a lot of things to see at this uh, at the upcoming IA, and a plus, a big plus, is that it's in San Diego. Yeah. Well, for all of us, that's a good deal. Uh, you know, they've been spread around into Vegas, to uh, uh, to Arizona, um, Las Vegas, uh, Anaheim. Uh, so it, it, it's nice that they they swap around so everybody across the country can get to. If they're in a closer area, can come to see that. I hope it's going to be well attended this year. I know last year it was, uh, you know, canceled for 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 that fact. But I hope that this year a lot of people are going to come and and, and start talking. Now we we were up at the one in Las Vegas 
the Southern Nevada Water Smart Innovations, and it was pretty decent. Had had probably what about seven, eight hundred people. Well, I was quite impressed, right? Maybe the yeah. footprint was a little bit smaller, uh, you know, a few few less booths, but there was no lack of attention. Uh, sure. No, that's true. Well, anyway, we got somebody else hanging up with us tonight. It's Miss Chris Austin, who is the purveyor, owner, chief bottle washer, and typist, and everything you think of for Maven's Notebook. And it's a great place to get water news every single day. So, Chris, welcome. How are you doing up in the mid-California? Oh, we're doing great up here in, in Little Chico, California, a little north in Sacramento Valley. Uh, we've had a lot of, we've had, you know, nice wet weather. It rained a little bit this morning and the skies cleared up today, but there's more water coming in. And this is really good, good news because I happen to live now sort of in between two of the state's most biggest reservoirs, uh, Shasta to the north of me and Oroville to the south of me. And so, you know, all this rain is just good news. And we have seen, especially in Oroville, we've seen uh, the water rise quite substantially, you know, like 30 feet because of the, uh, you know, now it's got a long ways to go, but it's nice to get a boost like this so early in the season. We'll hope that it continues. So what's happening in the world of water that you know in California? Any any new legislation uh, being proposed or being challenged? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the legislature is uh, on their break, which, you know, is, we're all thankful for that. Uh, so they won't be reconvening until December. So we'll see what, what they'll bring to us then. But, uh, no. The big, you know, everyone's watching the hydrology. That's the big thing. Um, and, you know, I guess the interesting thing for today is that the PPIC, that's the Public Policy Institute of California, uh, put out a new report called the Priorities, uh, Priorities for California Water. And the one thing that I like about the PPIC, they're a nonpartisan think tank. Uh, you know, so what they do is they bring together a mix of scientists and academics and water managers, and they they kind of put them in the same room and they get them to, you know, they discuss the water issues. And they always try to distill things down to a real manageable amount. So, you know, they, they just do a report and they kind of have here a list of, um, Looks like five uh, five priorities. No, is it four? Four priorities, which you know, California water is pretty complex. But be, you know, having it down to four uh, four points makes it a little easier. And so, what you know, the first thing, their first priority is uh, things that help get groundwater management under control. So there's some roadblocks and barriers to things like, uh, you know, recharge basins. So uh, there's things that people are working on. They need to kind of look at these and, you know, make sure that we can get as much water going into, you know, 
stormwater and, and other stuff going into groundwater basins, you know, as, as fast as we can. And, you know, their second thing is to ensure safe and affordable water. And, I mean, we still continue to have issues with uh, contaminated drinking water, particularly in the Central Valley. But there are several programs that are in process now, and I think we're sort of working that way. Um, and then it's uh, improving the health of our ecosystems and uh, expanding headwater forest management. We really need to get our forests under control. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great way that they can distill a real complex problem into some easy points. Um, and we do need to do all of those things. So, do you think do you think the state legislation, the legislators, I'm sorry, uh, take that information? And because I've always said, you know, run it like a business. Take the top three or five issues, get those done, assign people to do them, do them, and then when one comes off the list, another one rises up. I mean, I know. I mean, I'd love to see that happen, but we've got, I guess, so many issues to tackle at once. The problem is that's what they're doing. They're diverting everybody's attention to all of these different, not just these four, but, you know, maybe 25 or 30 of them. And they just don't seem to ever get done. So how, how seriously does the people, do the people in the legislation take these uh, recommendations or take these uh, known issues and, and, and think, go with them? You know, the, I think the panelists, you know, the people at the PPIC, are, they often testify at legislative hearings and in other places. And so I think that, you know, they are well-respected and to a certain extent, they can, they can help get things going um, with, the, with the different legislators by educating them on things that need to be done. Other things, though, are, I mean, they're not necessarily legislative issues. They're more, you know, issues on the ground. And if we take uh, just the, the one priority about ensuring safe and affordable water, you know, contaminated drinking water in the Central Valley and in other areas like the Salinas Valley, and, you know, it's been an issue for a long time, as well as, you know, um, it's urban areas, especially in Southern California, can have drinking water issues too. So the state has put forth money, and they are in, they are implementing a program, uh, and and they are making progress. But you know you can't solve all of the problems all of the time, all at once. So. Some, they, they've made some progress and then they say, okay, here's an area where we need to improve on and they're working, they're working on it. And while a lot of people still are, have a problem of contaminated drinking water, they are making progress. One of the things that the legislature provided the state water board a year or two ago was the power to require larger water systems to bring in outlying areas with contaminated drinking water um, and enforce the consolidation because there are a lot of places in the Central Valley where uh, communities have poor drinking water and they're just right on the outside of other areas and 
this is one of those environmental justice equity issues. A lot of those uh, a lot of those areas are farm workers and people of color, and there's been a resistance uh, in some places to bring to consolidate those services when that would really solve the problem. So the state has uh, been given the state water board has given the the power to force these consolidations, and there's a number of uh, now drink uh, towns that had contaminated drinking water that are now hooked up to larger systems, and they're they're now solving the problem. Um, so you know, so there we are making progress on that, but the, I think the problem with governing is that you have to come up with, I mean, you, you can say, here's a chunk of money. Now you have to figure out how you're going to distribute that money and what are going to be the qualifications because you just don't want to be writing checks to anybody, right, who says, oh, you got money. You know, you need to have a program to disperse that money. And sometimes, you know, you, you, you start the program and then you realize there are some places, some holes, some things we need to do. So I think, you know, hopefully they roll this money out in phases as the state water board is doing, and, and they'll be able to make some real changes for people on the ground. And yeah. No, I you're right. Chris and I attended, uh, what was it, an Orange County uh, for, for municipal water district of Orange County a couple of years ago, and they had, I think it was the Hurtado and some other people were there and talking about all these plans to help consolidate. And there was big discussions between major water agencies in Orange County and, 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 the, and the state people. And, you know, but that was a long time ago. It was five years ago or so. And it's hard to see that. I don't know. I, I, I like action, I guess, instead of just a lot of talk. Everybody, everybody looks at the water agencies, not the water agencies, but the state is like NATO. And and you know it's supposed to be the North American Treaty Organization, but they have a new new name for it now. It's called No Action Talk Only, and that's what they 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 say about a lot of the state's legislation because they just keep talking and talking, and nobody wants to agree. And you know, like, like you've always said, and and I have to tell you, you're exactly right. People need to get put in a room and and understand they got to come up with, they got to give up some things and come to a mutual decision about something instead of fighting all the time. Because they never, they're not getting anywhere by arguing. They need to come um, together. Yeah, and you know the other big story this week, uh, or I think, I think it actually broke the end of last week, is that there have been some discussions underway to negotiate voluntary agreements with uh, some of the major river systems in California because we have a, you know, a, it's. We have all these people drawing water from the rivers for whatever reason that they they have and the water rights that they have, but uh, more water is needed in in these rivers. And so they've been working on this process called the voluntary agreement. And the state actually threw the towel in for uh, the San Joaquin River system uh, last week uh, just said we're, we're done you know we're going to implement our our rigid regulatory regime so 
you know, we'll see how that goes. I think the people on that river system were less willing to negotiate uh, more so or less so, I should say, than the people in the Sacramento River system north of, of Sacramento, who are very much into fishing birds and I think are kind of working with the state. But, I mean, that's, that's going to be quite a blow. That could affect San Francisco's water because the state now is going to, you know, impose reductions in how much, uh, you know, farms and cities on that San Joaquin River system can draw from the river so we'll see it's it's going to be a lot of people don't realize just how how big the state is and there are lots and lots of, of people in this fight so to speak right or, or around the table i mean not you know not just the central valley the same joaquin uh, uh river all the irrigated acres that we see um bakersfield north all the way up to where to where you're at uh, all the Bay Delta folks that are involved in this, all the groundwater facilities, and and those folks who, may, I mean, it's huge. California is, you know, like a like a nation within itself. So it's a big and complex issue. And when you look at the San Joaquin River, there are over 2,000 diversions just on the San Joaquin River itself. Right. 2,000 pumps. So I mean, if if we're going to be quite honest here. How do you get 2,000 pumps to not take water from the river if there's water in the river and they want it? How do you coordinate that? How do you make that happen? How do you even communicate that? Because it's not like all these pumps have little Wi-Fi things so you everyone can say, okay, you can turn on and you can't. I mean, a lot of times this is the farmer going out to the field the farmer or the farmer's worker going out to the field and turning the pump on. So, I mean, the problem is really quite complex. How how do you get water to be left in the river? And it's even more complex when you get down to the delta because there's always water in the delta. The question is in the in the delta is not is there water, it is, you know, what's the quality of that water? How much salt is in that water? Is it more bay water, which you don't want, or fresh water, which you do want? Um, and if it's fresh water, then, you know, you want to you wanna take it. But it's, it's all very difficult how to coordinate this. And we're in no way coordinated enough in technology to be able to make that happen. So from a realistic standpoint, I don't know how it will happen, but we will see. Build a campfire and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see I logs, so. burning logs being launched into the, yeah. <laughs> well, you got, you You know, I, I, I often mention about all the illegal cannabis growers who are taking water uh, illegally and all That's of that. an issue, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I like to see people close the gap on some of those things. At least it will help. Uh, you know, just in that one county in the Central Valley, it was like over 2,000 uh, illegal uh, water users. I mean, yeah. That's a lot. 
and, and, and oftentimes these are not people necessarily drawing water from streams, but they're going up the fire hydrants and yeah. filling up their trucks. Fire yeah. hydrants and, and that city water or, you know, water for the communities and, and in this drought and everyone's being asked to conserve. I mean, that's a big thing. It's huge. And it's and it's simply wrong, you know. It's just wrong. I'm sorry. They, we have a legal cannabis industry here. If that's what you want to do, figure it out the legal way. Don't right. be stealing water, you know. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, all all we got left is what's on the what's on the world today, and there's no more coming. I mean, we're gonna make the use and reuse out of it last forever and ever and ever. Absolutely. So. so. Anything else exciting in the last couple of minutes here? Well, an interesting story in the news about Metropo Metropolitan Water District uh, wasting water, hundreds of thousands of gallons of water, which basically, when you dig down into it, it's, it's a whole lot of something about a little bit of something. Yeah, I guess they weren't being quite efficient with their landscape irrigation. And so, you know, there was a a local news channel did an investigative report. Um, but not, nonetheless, uh, if you're, you know, one of the region's largest water suppliers, you know, you do need to... You do need to take proper action and be an example. So... They they're gonna you know fix their landscaping issues and, and uh, get things back on track, uh, but it, it's an interesting story, I guess. Yeah. Do they have the money to do it? Oh. I know when I go to, the, I know when I go to their building, I can't. The security is like the White House. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing. They got so many security guards. I mean, what what do they have there that's so secret in that that building by the train station? There's just offices, right? Yeah. Well, this water stuff, people get people get way emotional over this water stuff. Although I don't really necessarily perceive that down in metropolitan, but I don't know. Yeah, I've been there too. I know. You get your little, you have to turn in your driver's license and get your tag and, you know. Yep. Yep. I do, like, I do, like, I do like around Christmas time when they have, I don't know if they're doing it this year where they have the coloring contest from all the local schools and they, they do some conservation uh, pictures and stuff. And that looks all nice, you know, embedded with all their Christmas decorations there. So that that's something I like when I go there. It's nice. But like I said, they treat you, it's like you're going to the White House. you got to show all these IDs and, you know, and then they got to escort you to the elevator to go up to the, t you know, the, the, the top floor. And, you know, it's like, what, there's nothing there to steal. I mean, <laughs> you know. But uh, anyway, well, all right. Well, Chris, we we appreciate talking to you, and uh, you know, I know you're going to be off next Thursday, and you're you're getting in preparation for your induction into the Green Industry Hall of Fame, which we're going to be there, and uh, whistle loudly and and uh, make a lot of noise. They'll probably throw Chris and I out, but we're gonna we're gonna give you lots of applause and, and everything else. So, and we get to meet your son Noah. Yes, yes, very excited about that. So he gets to yep. meet you. Yep. And, and uh, my uh, my advisory committee member Susan Longville from San Bernardino Valley Municipal Water District, one of my staunchest supporters. She's a wonderful lady. She's been on our show several times, so uh, 
be nice to see her again. So anyway, Chris, thank you very much for our listeners. Uh, please go to uh, mavensnotebook.com, become a, sp- a sponsor, become a subscriber. It's the best place in the world to get news about what's happening in our state, California. And it uh, comes every single day to my, my computer. By the time I get up in the morning, it's there. And uh, say, you must stay up all night to write all that stuff out. I got to tell you, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of information. Yeah, I like you have this little animation figure that's typing away, and I think that's kind of cute. So uh, anyway, go check that out, and uh, you, won't, you won't be sorry that you did. And again, it's important that you know what's happening behind the scenes in water. So, Chris, thank you. We will see you next Saturday. Uh, not this Saturday, but the Saturday afterwards. And, uh, and uh, we'll be, uh, be, be in a happy way to applaud for you. So. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Have a great week, Chris. You too. We're going to take our commercial break here, and we'll be back in just a minute with our featured guest, who happens to be a big TV and radio star. And uh, we're fans of him, and he's a good friend of ours. And uh, so stick around. We'll tell you who it is. We'll be right back. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yukaipa. They love you. They love you not. They love you. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it. Instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers. And you can get your plants delivered direct, even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip. Keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock. Because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you. They really love you. Aww. Are you presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy to understand approach that raises the skill level, competency, and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real life hands-on training leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. Irrigator Tech specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician. Courses also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly, all certifications are state recognized and Irrigator Tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an Irrigator Tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call Irrigator Tech toll-free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free 866-614-1755 and on the web at irrigatortech.com. K-C- a. 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 
of the Water Zone. It's Thursday, November 4th with Rob and Chris. Hey, listen, guys, I'm going to get right into it here with our guest because it's a very special guest today. And I know Rob was trying to keep it a secret, but I don't think we're going to keep it a secret too much longer because of how famous this person is. So, you know, oftentimes when we introduce somebody that's pretty famous, we say, well, this person, quote, unquote, needs no introduction. But I think our next guest is he's going to find that a bit insulting if we don't give him a good introduction <laughs> because of what he's done in this industry and how famous he is and just how great this person is. And he knows where we work. He knows where we work. He knows where we work. So without further ado, we have on our show tonight, back for a reprise, the one and only Nick Federoff, best known probably for his host of the Green of Things Green, rather, on KCAL and CBS Television. He's a media friend of uh, Rob and I, has been for some time, somebody we really like and respect. So welcome back, Nick. Gentlemen, I am so honored to be with you, with you today. Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, Can you hear me? Yes, we've got a time. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chris is working. Since we're all doing these shows remote, it's a little different. Uh, we, we do have video, but uh, sometimes Chris goes back and forth and makes me laugh at things that he's doing back there. But uh, anyway, so welcome back. As, as Chris said, you know, we, uh, you know, you're good friends of ours and you've been on the show a couple of times. And, but we, we want to follow up with you. What have you been doing the last couple of years, especially how did COVID affect you and things green? Oh, I'll tell you, I have never been so busy in my life. You know, as it is, gardening is America's number one hobby. And unless you're a newlywed, then you've got other things on your mind. Then it turns into gardening. But, uh, you know, it's amazing how many people, because they've been staying home, they've been just, uh, you know, they, they've been sequestered. They need to get out and feel some soil. They need to get it underneath the, underneath their fingernails and breathe it, get it in their nose and... It's really neat because there's so many brand new gardeners that are out there, and they're 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 just taking the world of gardening by storm. We have never been so busy before, and that's what uh, it, it's just fascinating to see the enthusiasm. You know, it's really interesting. And my, my radio show, for instance, it, it's heard all over the United States, and 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 the excitement for gardening in the East has never been as exciting. Uh, uh, it, it hasn't been exciting in the in the West, but what what has happened the last couple of years? The West is picking up on us, and it's really cool. They're calling up. They're excited. They want to know what's going on. They want to know how to grow things. The children's gardening, in particular, is really cool. I have teachers calling me up left and right. What do we do, and how can we do it? Whether it's remotely or in class now. Uh, are those classes doing more, or the kids or the families that you're talking to, are they doing more gardening in the sense of flowers and shrubs versus uh, vegetables, for example? You know, uh, it's it's usually vegetables first, and then it goes to flowers, and then to ornamental plants and, and, and fruit trees and things of that sort. Yeah, people want to grow. They want to see something for their effort. And although a flower is nice, you can't argue with a tomato that's fresh out of your garden. Yep, 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 yep. My, my wife would agree. And Chris, I know Chris is an avid gardener. He has beautiful gardens, both in 
flowers and 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 uh, and vegetables. You know what? You know what I saw for the first week at somebody's house. Just real quick, uh, we've. I thought it was a zucchini, gigantic thing, about two feet long, yellow. Then I found out it was a loofah, and I ah, thought, you know, all right, nice. You know, the, you know the, the the loofahs that you wash yourselves with and stuff like that. I never. I thought loofahs were like a sponge and would come in the water, but it doesn't. It grows on this vine thing, and it looked like a giant zucchini. But I yeah, learned you know something what, about it. Was, yeah, what's really fascinating about loofah, and you're right, and people can grow them by mistake. Uh, they can be brought in by birds and such. Uh, they're a, they, they grow on a vine, and what's uh, what's awesome about them, uh, you're right, it, 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 it's not a plant that is grown in the ocean, but uh, they have so many seeds that that are inside of these things you can yeah. harvest those seeds out, and you can grow more plants. And the flower of a loofah, oh, my goodness, it is just one of the most gorgeous things ever. Wow. Right. So, so, Nick, let's, let's, yeah, let's not forget, you know, let's not forget native gardens. Here in the West, very, very popular uh, uh, gardening theme is to have a native garden. I have one myself. Rob, you've been here and you've seen it. I yep. have probably 5,600, getting close to six. Thousand garden manzanita, cyanosa, salvia, sage, um, uh, and other plants, and they're very popular in in the West now. Yeah, it's it's you know what what actually what I'm seeing a, a really interesting trend in is that um, you know what a lot of people don't know about natives is that they they actually go dormant in the uh, summertime. Uh, that's yeah. what makes them water thirsty plants. But a lot of people, especially over the last couple of years. They've been staying home during the summertime. They don't want plants that are dormant. So there are there are just hundreds and hundreds of plants that are water thrifty that come from other parts of the world that will sustain the plants. You know, you get beautiful flowers, you get beautiful fruit, you get whatever it may be uh, during the summertime. And you're absolutely right. When, when it comes to, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily from my experience in talking to the uh, to the consumer, I don't know if it's much native plants as it is just making sure that you have the water thrifty plants. And and because you know, as we know, it's it's all about strategically placing that water. We you know, concrete doesn't grow, asphalt doesn't grow. So get that water where it belongs on that plant. And what's exciting about it is that the technology today is just mind-boggling on you know you get yourself a you get somebody who can really help you plan out an irrigation system it is just phenomenal what you can grow and you don't have to settle for a barren landscape you could have beautiful gorgeous plants including the natives just and and when you when you have it designed properly you know, one plant takes over the other plant, not overgrowing it, but in its beauty. And one takes over than the other, and and yet you're 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 using less water, using, uh, you know, depending on the size of your property. Chris, did you said you have thousands of plants? Uh, no, I didn't say thousands, but I have about six thousand square feet of native gardens. And oh, okay. Some of them are... Oh, that's it, but. <laughs> yeah. All right, my bad. Not, not, not quite thousands. I'm, uh, I, I'm not that fun. But I, but I did get help. But still, it. I did get, I did get help with the irrigation system. As, as you know, uh, in, in uh, my line of work, I probably know a few people who can, who can help me with that. 
Um, yeah. But uh, but enjoyed a great enjoyed a great deal. And I do have other water thrifty plants, especially from the Mediterranean area, North Africa, uh, Morocco, that uh, that I have yeah. in my garden that I have transplanted and gotten from uh, the nurseries around the area. So yeah. Hey, can I ask you a question yeah. about things green again? I don't, I don't want to get just I don't want to shortchange you on that. Um, just for some of oh. our listeners who who may not know, tell us a little bit about things green and how many like episodes and seasons you've been going that kind of stuff. Well, um, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> things green is is um, uh, started many many years ago. I'm I'm working on I think my 35th and pretty close to my 30th year anniversary in garden communications. And um, I, I host a two-hour radio show on, again, stations all across the country. In fact, we just, we just added about 10 or 12 more just within the last couple of weeks. It's pretty exciting. And then we do the PBS television show, of course. And PBS television, that's a long-form program. And uh, I brag about the station that we're our flagship station, KCAA. Now, you're, we're, we're, we're talking on a KCAA. Uh, KLCS Los Angeles, but uh, which is heard in Southern California, reaches out to 16 million households. But I'm actually on uh, eight other stations, a PBS stations. Uh, we don't talk about them as much because they don't play the program the same time that we do here in Southern California. So you can catch the program uh, on on uh, uh, KLCS, or what you could do is. Just go to any one of the social media outlets. All there's. So I'm very active on Facebook. We have, we have three or four pages there, and under my name, under Things Green, it really doesn't matter. You'll end up figuring that part out. And we do a simulcast of the show if you can't catch it. And of course, there's a YouTube channel as well. But uh, yeah, we're on we're on traditional uh, we uh, uh, traditional television. We have about uh, 350 uh, programs. Uh, uh, half-hour programs under our belt. It's an award, award-winning program. We've won a lot of different awards, this, this, that, and the other. Uh, the other. Uh, and then, of course, we have um, uh, the things that I do for, for PBS, for PBS, uh, not for PBS, for KCAL 9 News. I've uh, produced over, uh, again, actually over 350 segments for, for that. Not one of that, one of them actually ever repeated. Every one is totally different. And uh, now with them, I I, uh, I now and them I'm a, I'm a I'm a what they call a special correspondent with them because doing it every week was just getting too hard. So when a certain thing comes up, like I'll give you a good example. It was not long ago we did something on uh, a water uh, water conscious uh, gardening, on you know how to save and what what we're looking at as far as the future of water for us here in Southern California and how to prepare for that. So that that was one of the most recent ones that I've done. And, um, yeah, so everything is just things green. Nick, Nick Zetteroff, things green, and uh, television. I do short-form programming. I do uh, a lot of videos, uh, special one-minute up to uh, five-minute videos for people like Southland Sod Farms, Chapin Manufacturing, uh, AgriThrive, DRAM. I mean, just with a lot of different um, uh, short-form as well. as long. I'll give you an example. This week, I, I'm, I'm actually traveling back from Lake Elsinore. I don't know if you ever heard of the, uh, is it called the Diamond Storm? Storm? Diamond? Diamond Stadium. Diamond Stadium. It's a stadium. It's a a baseball field. Storm Stadium or something like that. Yeah, I should be a little bit more respectful to them. But uh, uh, so what I'm doing is on Saturday, this Saturday, in fact, everybody is invited to come out. Uh, and, and you could be on the TV show. 
I'm going to have a, uh, we have room for a small audience. And uh, I created a, I created a, a, a memorial type of a garden. It's called the 9-11 Mobile Memory Garden. And, and I was preparing, because I speak all over the place, I was preparing for a speech. And two weeks before the speech, and I got to thinking, I said, what day am I going to be talking on? And I looked at the calendar and said, 9-11, my goodness, what am I talking about fruit trees and things like that? So I was inspired to create this mobile garden. Got some sponsorship behind it. Uh, I took a trailer that I have at, at my office. I took it home. I put up ladders and things like that. And make a long story short, we have a beautifully landscaped trailer that represents the Twin Towers. And it's all about never forgetting and honoring honoring not only the firemen and the policemen and everybody uh, that was involved in that. So it's a pretty emotional thing, uh, uh, a display. We've had people walk up to it and just break down and sob. And uh, so what I decided to do is that we're going to be um, filming a TV show for it. It's going to air within the next three three weeks or so. And usually I film six, eight, nine months ahead of time. But this is a special thing that we're doing, and I wanted to catch it in this, get it in this year too. So uh, yeah, come out on Saturday at eleven o'clock. That's going to be happening. And so that, in my nutshell, is a big nutshell. But it's uh, that thing's green. Where we do garden communicating. I love answering people's questions. Well, Nick, great work, buddy. I'm. I know it's. I know it's uh, you, that you do a lot for the industry as well. I've watched your show several times. Nine o'clock Saturday morning here on local TV. I love the episode with your friend and mine, Dan Hernandez from uh, Dan Hernandez Sports <laughs> Fishing. He's he's a pal. Oh, you know Dan? I know Dan. No I'm kidding. Dan. Yeah, oh man, that's that's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, been on his. No board. way. Good for you. He's been, uh, no, he has been begging me. He's been begging me. Come on, let's do something together. Now I, I now to be fair, I own a 14 foot aluminum yacht. And I've and I've gone and I know where he where, where he moors his boat. I've I've actually driven up to it, but I get so seasick I I just can't do it. I know. But good for you. You told me that. Yes, you own a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> Fourteen foot aluminum yacht. <laughs> My little boat. <laughs> All right. Hey Ross, uh, if you want to talk, you're on mute, buddy. Take that little hit that little get yourself off of mute. He can't hear us. Hey, so let's let's give a little let's give Rob a chance to put him take himself off the mute there. There he goes. You with us, Rob? Yeah, I had my buddy Socks here with me, and uh, he was kind of making some noises, so I put it on mute. But uh, Nick, tell us about your involvement with the Green Industry Hall of Fame, and I know we're going to see you a week from uh, Saturday as well. Oh, that's so exciting! You know, I actually wear wear the badge of of uh, uh, being an inductee and uh, in fact I think you guys you guys looked it up it's been about ten years now I think I've been I was inducted into there. You were inducted I wear that in twenty twelve. Twenty twelve, yeah. I, I I wear that badge as an honor like you can't imagine. Because to be to be recognized by peers is one of the most humbling things. And and I'm not afraid to say, man, I'm I'm a staff. I get up there, I thank everybody, and I broke down in tears because I really, really appreciated the fact that they uh, that I was you know thought of in that way. So we've got a 
Yeah, we got it in two weeks. I heard I heard you guys talking about it a little bit earlier. So I'm a good company as far as as far as uh, inductees over here. Uh, in yeah. two weeks, we're going to be over at the Black Gold Golf Course. There's still time for anybody if they want to to go to the Green Industry uh, Hall of Fame org, and you can sign up and you can uh, buy a dinner. And what we're doing is that we're filming uh, the event. Last year, we did one style of filming, but that was because of the really closed COVID problems that we had. <clears throat> uh, this year, we're doing a different kind of style of, uh, of pruning, or, uh, not pruning, <laughs> filming. And we are going to be highlighting each one of the win- winners all through my 2022 um, uh, spring season. Uh, we got a little tidbit on everybody that's going to be going up. It's really exciting. Nobody, nobody, the Green Industry Hall of Fame is the first, first organization ever to have a televised award ceremony. And now they're the first one ever to do this kind of filming that we're doing right now and, 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 and honor these people and honor everybody in the green industry through which, what might just take us through the whole year following them. But we know for the first six months, starting March 5th, that's when the first person is going to be honored. And it's going to go, it's going to go on for several weeks thereafter. And really looking forward to it. It's, it's exciting. The electricity that's involved putting this together. And, you know, guys like, like, like uh, uh, Chris over here, he's, he's been at every single meeting, busting my chops the whole time, deserving it the whole time. And it's so fun to see. I'm pulling you guys a leg, you know. Uh, and and uh, it's just really neat to see the passion for these, for these, uh, uh, for people to, to really honor the green industry people because, hey, without plants, you got a parking lot. And didn't Joni Mitchell write a song about that? I was just Remember thinking of that myself. It's the exact same thing. I, yeah. So you know what that means? You know what that means, guys? What that means? Yeah, that means that we're old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not... It's not the age that makes the difference there, Nick. It's the side effects that worry me. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nick, let me tell you, you know, we're, we're so excited because right when, you know, when you're on the show and a little earlier before you came on, you were listening to Rob and I and Chris Austin from Maven's Notebook talking. So Maven's Notebook, I mean, Chris Austin from is a inductee this year. Rob and I uh, in, uh, nominated her. And uh, so we will be there two weeks from Saturday uh, with you. Yeah, now also, also, also who appears on our show is Kathy Kellogg, uh, who is oh. uh, the chair, chair of, of, of Kellogg's Garden Products. She's, she's on our show, and so she's an inductee. And when we started the show, it was Mike Barron, uh, and he was also inducted. So everybody who's had a feature part on our show has been an inductee <laughs> of the Industry Hall of Fame. So we're very blessed, or at least I'm very blessed to be with with my peers uh, who, who really are in the industry for a long time. I've only been in it for 17 years. These guys are lifers, and uh, like Chris and you and everybody else. And, you know, I, I came from a – before I came into this industry, I was from a totally different one, not even related to this, far from it. And uh, But I was welcome. But you want to know something? Hey, you want to know something? Uh, number one, I admire that, and I, and I respect that beyond belief. 
there are people that I've come across throughout the years. They're in, they're in, they're, they're fun. The people that come from the pharmaceutical business is amazing. I've seen doctors, I've seen lawyers, and it's like they burn out on that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, hey, they're 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 selling rakes. They're they're inventing new ways to deliver water. So yeah. let me tell you, I respect that 17 years like you can't imagine. So just down here, what do you see as the future of the industry? How do you see our industry changing and evolving? Wow, you know it's it's always it's always cute to say that they're gonna that there's always uh, you know new cultivars and varieties of plants that are coming out and vegetables and things of that sort. I, I think what I really see is uh, based on based on current issues of life with this COVID and all that, uh, I, I think there's just going to be that much more of a surge of people getting interested on whether it is ornamental horticulture or uh, urban agriculture. I really see people clamping onto that and not having it be a phase in their lives, but having it that it becomes a part of their life. Because, look, if you, you go to a grocery store, you, you can't afford half the stuff that's there any longer. So when they can, when we have the technology like we're starting to have with GPS irrigation systems, and, and I mean, you guys have seen that. Hey, just in here, 17 years, you've seen that really go crazy. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, so seeing that kind of stuff, I think, is just so important. And I see it strengthening. And I see the industry getting bigger, and I see it getting stronger. We're going to see a lot of snake oil stuff come up. That always happens. But those kind of things, they go away very quickly. But you get the established things. Like you mentioned, Kathy Kellogg. They got a company that has been around since the beginning of time. They're good, family, Christian-run family. These people are honor are just super super honorable and they're wonderful and their product reflects that. Yeah. So that's that's good stuff. I agree yeah, more. Both, both her and her brother Hap are, have done a great job running that business. I mean, sorry from the the father who started or grandfather who started and and they've just grown that to a nice size business and they do care and and what's really nice is they're so smart about the technology and and the biology of everything that they do. Uh, it's incredible. Kathy comes on every couple of weeks and does a segment called What's the Scoop on Soil and answers questions from our listeners about soil. So that's been a, a big help. So what what have you what's your thought on, on conversation and the water agency rebates and what's been happening about the drought here in in, in, in California? Um, I'm actually I, I have a very unpopular view of it. Uh, I know that there's a drought. I 100% know that there is because uh, I was recently up in uh, by Shasta. Uh, I, you could tell that the water is just, there's just no water. We know that we have a problem, but I also know and I also feel very strongly that that you know over the last 30 years where we've been battling this, why haven't there been more re reservoirs built? Where are the dams? Why aren't we saving the water? Uh, you know, everybody is getting raises but me and the people that have to buy the water. And yep. and I get really irritated about that. 
uh, I get irritated. Uh, you know, we just heard about how the about the Delta water and all the, what's going on with that. You know, the good water. You know what? Uh, great. There's a little smelt that has a little problem over there. Let's keep a couple of them, put them in an aquarium, and let's take our water and give it to the people. Yeah. You know, totally, it's totally, an infrastructure issue. Yeah. It really is. You know, it really is. I would imagine if Mr. Mulholland was alive right now, he's probably turning in his grave. Really oh. turning in his grave, seeing how mismanaged stuff is, and 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 the, the, the fat cats at the top are getting fatter, and we have to pay for it. That's what sickens me about the whole thing. And as I, as I, you know, I'm a big, I am a big proponent of turf. No problem yeah. growing grass, yeah. because yep. I kind of alluded to it earlier. But my mantra has always been, it's not about not, it's not about not using water. It's about strategically placing it. Yeah. And there's no reason why you can't have a beautiful landscape, beautiful garden, beautiful everything. And just, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing that companies like Toro have been stepping up into really making it so that we can be strategic with placing that irrigation. Hey, Nick, I got to tell you, man, we're getting up to our news tower here. So I want to thank you for coming on the show. We just got about 10 seconds left, man. Great travel home for you. Be safe, okay, buddy? And we'll see you. Thank see you, everybody. Uh, Saturday. Yeah, Have a good one. Thanks for to the water zone. And the most important thing that Chris and I want to tell all of you is keep help keep our, our planet, planet blue. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM.